So again, I think we'll just kind of jump right into it in the world of sports. We'll start off on this uh, beautiful Wednesday night. We're just going to talk about uh, the games tomorrow in the NFL. Uh, the NFL is starting back up tomorrow. Um, surprisingly, somehow, they are going to pull this off. Uh, Chiefs-Texans, highly anticipated game uh, between two of the best teams in the AFC Sean Watson, Patrick Mahomes going at it. Um, you know, who who do you think are the kind of impact players that um, are going to make a big difference in this looking game? Looking at both teams and overall their season, one thing I find for the um, Texans, Will Fuller needs to stay healthy this year for them to do well. They need the wide receivers now. With Brandon Cooks, who gets injured once in a while every year, and Will Fuller, they need to step it up now that D-Hop's gone for Deshaun Watson. I agree with that. I like the receiver depth uh, with Houston. You have Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, and Kenny Stills, I think, are your main four. Um, this week, actually, Brandon Cooks is questionable for this game, so we'll see if he plays right, through that quad injury. Yeah, but I think I think that receiving core is pretty good. But I think if you're going to talk about offense, you just have to look at the other side. I mean, this Chiefs team, this is, in my opinion, the best offensive football. I don't think there's a better offense. I mean, you go down this depth chart. I mean, you're missing uh, Damian Williams this week, obviously. Um, you lost Tardif on the O-line. But other than that, you only improved bringing in uh, Kalichi Asamele, um, keeping Sammy Watkins around, keeping Tyreek Hill, adding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you know, this team just is so great on offense. And then the best quarterback in the league in Mahomes. So it's definitely going to be some high-scoring offenses. Agreed. You can't, it can't get much better than with Kansas City. Their speed is just so much fun to watch. Well, I mean, who you got in this game? Oh, Who's shaking? It's a no-doubter. The Chiefs will win this game. I agree. I think the Chiefs will win. I don't think it's a no-doubter. I think I've seen a couple times with this Chiefs defense the ability to break more than they bend. I think Houston's lack of help on the O-line I think is definitely something that concerns me. But Watson is just so good. And this Houston Texans defense um, is, in my opinion, pretty underrated. I know they're a little thin at the cornerback position. Um, but again, they that front seven with J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, uh, Bernardrick McKinney, Zach Cunningham, it's it's a good group to have. So The interior of the offensive line of the Texans is not that strong at all, and I think um, Chris Davis will have a day. Yeah, I think Chris Jones is going to play pretty well too. But... Um, I, again, I, I don't want to count Houston out. Again, I think it's the first game of the season. Kansas City, you never know what that Super Bowl hangover can do. I've seen you know, New England a couple times because I'm from Boston. A couple times they'll come out and look a little sluggish. But, you know, I, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I just think their offense is a little too much. Um, 
Although I think it'll be interesting to see Houston without Hopkins. I think Deshaun Watson's going to spread the love a little bit more on offense. I think Will Fuller is going to get a chance to really establish himself. I like Cooks, but I think Fuller's going to establish himself as the one uh, receiver in that offense this year that really is going to take off. I see Cooks and Cobb and Stills as more complementary pieces as Will Fuller begins to elevate into the number one receiver. We haven't added in a healthy David Johnson as well. Um, I've watched him in Arizona, and he's a reliable back. I think he'll be utilized a lot more. And Duke Johnson as your third down guy, he's, he was pretty good. He was working in the system after being picked up later, and I think he's going to be more implemented this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a lot of uh, – it's reminding me that their coach is Bill O'Brien. So I think he's doing kind of a New England thing, how they have one power back, which in this case is going to be David Johnson, and then you kind of have your James White, your Danny Woodhead, you're like throw it out to him and do the little five to eight yard pass play. Uh, so I like their running back depth, but um, I think it'll it'll be a good test for this Texans team. I think this is a team that a lot of people, including myself, depending on how this season goes could be a sleeper team uh, going into the playoffs. You know, maybe there's an injury to Kansas City or Baltimore, um, and Houston can fill that hole. I think I think Houston's good enough. I think they have potential, but this is a, this is a good first game for them. This is a big test. Agreed. Um, yeah, so let's move into what's happening now. Uh, the NBA last night. Um, feels like so long ago after the games today, which we'll get into later. But uh, how do you feel about the Rockets-Lakers game last night? Um, it was a it was an okay game to watch. There was some inner. It was the refs were. I mean, every bad. time you got LeBron tied or down in a series, that's gonna happen. But the one thing about LeBron, he did shoot very well that game. Forty four percent from the field, fifty from three point. I mean. 56% from the field. He had a good shooting night, which is surprising. As he hasn't been quite the scorer this year. Um, he did it all on the defensive end. Four blocks, one steal, but maybe some of those blocks were fouls. Most of them were clean from watching the game, but he was, he was a bit aggressive on the defensive end with reaching in. Yeah, well, I think, I think he stepped up when they needed him to, but um, again, I think it all goes down to what we talked about last time about the Lakers, about you got to kind of do it by committee for that third option. You saw, you know, LeBron James, you know, 36 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Anthony Davis, 26 points, 15 rebounds, six assists. Um, it's who's going to be that third guy, and I think they got Rondo back, and playoff Rondo is, is definitely back. 21 points on the night with nine assists. I think that's a great thing for them. Um, but they dominated. The Lakers were, were dominant down the stretch of this game. But one thing that stood out to me is it finally appears that, you know, Russell Westbrook has woken up a little bit, um, which is going to make things interesting tomorrow night. Uh, you know, he had 30 points, didn't shoot the ball particularly badly for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again... I, what do you think about tomorrow night? That crucial plus or minus stat, um, Russell Westbrook, one of the worst on the team actually, um, minus 14 for that game. So I think he's still defensively sleeping at times. Even though he loves running the court, I think he's getting it back on offense, but he really has to just get it all together. As he said, he's running around as he literally is just running around. And he's beaten people to the bucket, but 
is he doing that much on defense right now? And that's what I don't think is happening. Well, the Rockets have a tough defensive task. You know, I think they're plus minus, especially at the factor in it's in a loss. So nobody's really going to be positive. Minus 14, again, not even that bad for him. He's usually a lot worse with that stat. Uh, but I think the bigger thing to me going into tomorrow night is going to be the absence of, once again, Daniel House, which clearly hurt him in this game. They, they were lacking that real stretch shooter. We saw it. Uh, P.J. Tucker, rather, you know, he wasn't getting open looks tonight. They, the Lakers did a good job shutting that down. But without Daniel House, and now especially uh, without Robert Covington, I think you're going to be missing some of those open three-point looks. And again, I think it's it's guys like Austin Rivers, Jeff Green's going to have to have a huge game if you want to get the win. Same with Ben McLemore. I find it kind of funny that I'm saying this, but Robert Covington's their starting center, and they lost their starting center. Well, P.J. Tucker starts at center for them. Well, last game it was actually Covington. It was, I'm pretty well, sure he took well, that's not what matters. I consider the center who guards AD, and yeah, it's Tucker that they put true. on AD. So he starts. But what bigs do they have now? They're in big trouble. Well, they don't that. play with bigs anyway, and I think mm-hmm. they're going to embrace that. But as I said, you need one of the shooters to step up. Yeah. Again, you didn't get a whole lot from Eric Gordon. Didn't get a whole lot from Austin Rivers. Didn't get a whole lot from Ben McLemore uh, as you were in this series. So I think those guys just need to step up. Jeff Harden's going to need to score 50. As I said, Jeff Green, he's going to have to come out. You know, he had 16 points on really good shooting, but he's going to have to play a spectacular game in order for them to really get back into the series because the stuff you're lacking is just going to be uh, very apparent in the next game. Let's move on to the uh, first game last night that um, actually became pretty entertaining towards the end. Um, but again, I think it was just the, the Heat pulling away late. They advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um I don't want to talk about them yet. Let's talk about the more interesting side of this, which was Milwaukee. A mess. An absolute mess. I think there will be a lot of changes. I think Bootenholzer will be out. I do think they'll keep Giannis, but I do think a big move will happen this summer because they need to do anything to keep him as he'll be a free agent in 2021. Well, I I don't know if Bootenholzer will be out. I, I think he's a good enough coach. I think – they might have a talk with him, uh, you know, the executives. They might say, hey, you're on the hot seat. I don't. I think he's too good of a coach to let go. Um, but I just think this team's got to do some retooling. I think you got to – you really got to think about swinging for Chris Paul at this point. I think that's a guy that they could use. Um, it's just I think Bledsoe's really made it clear that he's not the guy. Um I would really consider dealing everybody but Middleton. I think Middleton's a good second guy for Giannis to have. But at the end of the day, I think they that their cast, the supporting cast around Giannis, just didn't show up in this series. They got dominated by shooting. And, I mean, it was kind of expected by some. It wasn't very believable because of what was happening all year, but it happened. So I actually think that the Heat – would have gone to the finals when this playoff started. I saw them, and they are just on fire. They're shooters left and right. Jimmy Butler has really stepped it up. It kills me as a Sixers fan watching him do what he's doing, but he's really taking the team on his back and pushing them to be the best team in the league this year. Like In the bubble, they have been arguably the best team so far. I don't think they've been the best team. They've been a top three team. 
Um, I'm concerned with them. We'll get to it later who they would, I think, who they would rather play when we talk about Celtics Raptors. But I'm just going to say this about Jimmy Butler. He's a great player. He's a great leader. But so far in these playoffs, he has not played anyone who is close to an elite or I would say even good defensive wing. He has been left in the first round. They didn't really put T.J. Warren on him. He was facing Victor Oladipo, and I think it was maybe T.J. McConnell. So not the best defenders to guard Jimmy Butler. And then in this series, it was DiVincenzo, it was Middleton, it was Connaughton. It wasn't elite defenders. So I think whichever team you get next round, you're going to play an elite wing defender. And that might be trouble for them. But what chance do you think the Heat have to, let's say they make the finals to win it. What chance do you think they have against a Western Conference team? Because I would say if it's either L.A. team, I wouldn't give them a chance. I think if they play the Lakers, they have a shot. I think if anyone. And spacing the floor, they, they, can, they can win it. I really do think they can beat the Lakers. But with the Clippers, that's too much perimeter defense. I see... I don't see much of a chance if the Heat make it and then have to play the Clippers. Well, let's get to um, the big dependent on whether the Heat make the finals or not. Let's talk about Celtics-Raptors Game 6. I'm going to take it away on this one. Um, It was a very hard-fought game. Easily the most entertaining game of the bubble. Two overtimes. uh, You get very good games out of Kyle Lowry, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Um... But again, I think, you know, Siakam struggled for Toronto, and I think Boston didn't expect for Kemba to struggle the way he did. Um, This game went down to the wire. Both teams had opportunities to win it, uh, and the Raptors did. Um, You know, from my perspective, I wish it was all about that. I wish that's what the conversation about this game in the Twitter sphere of the NBA world was all about right now. I wish it was about how both teams were playing competitive basketball. Um, But instead of talking about how the Raptors and Celtics blew opportunities until the Raptors, uh, you know, kind of capitalized on one, we are once again in this series, in a Raptor win, talking about the officiating. More specifically, we are talking about an officiating crew led by maybe the most unpopular official in the league. I think for every fan base, we can say he is the most unpopular official is Tony Brothers. Um, This game was not very smooth. It had inconsistent officiating, especially in the second half. There were times where the Celtics would get all the calls, and then especially, I think, from the third quarter on, It became a Raptor love fest a little bit. Uh, You had a couple of plays where Nick Nurse was on the floor posing as a Celtic player, uh, which by league rule is a technical foul, but they just didn't want to call it. You had another one towards the end of the fourth quarter where Kemba Walker is pretty clearly fouled on a layup and no call. We saw Donovan Mitchell and John Morant tweeting out their thoughts about that tonight, uh, both saying that it looked like he got fouled. Um, and then they just couldn't catch a break. There was a Daniel Tice and one that got wiped away. Um, and again, I think that takes a morale hit. Marcus Smart had, I think, the best game of the playoffs for him. He had a triple-double. 
Um, great game from him, 23, uh, 11, and 10. But again, I think the Celtics just, you know, you got down bad, whether it be from the officials or not. Um, you're going to lose another close one. Um, but I think both teams are on to Game 7. For me, it's going to vary on which officiating crew you get. And I hate to say that in any playoff series because it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. But I think it, as long as they don't get Tony Brothers or Scott Foster, if they just get a normal crew, not one of the two, who's been in these playoffs that people think are kind of rigging things, I I think I'm going to take the Celtics in this game. Um Again, I feel like I'm keep saying it in this series because we've had so many games when it's just one of the Celtics' big three that's not playing well. Mm-hmm. If Kemba had scored nine points, Celtics win this game. Makes and, that layup. Game over. Well, he got fouled on the layup. Yeah. So, can't really blame him for that. But well, One thing I'd like to talk about is, like, looking at this game, if Boston plays the same they play with – they're officiating next. That's game. my they thing. They shoot this percentage. They were shooting the lights out tonight. Outside of Kemba Walker, who played awful, I think their star of the game was no doubt Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. He was amazing. He was all over the place, and he was a complete superstar on the court, which is fun to watch. And then after the game, him showing his emotion, getting into it with the other team. This game seven is going to be fun. Well, this one reminds me of the Celtics going into game five. If we remember, I think everyone was hungry. And that was what was said after the game, and that was said after the game today, is everyone's hungry. Nobody's mad. We've moved on, and we want this team again. And if this goes anything like Game 5, I think we're in for a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Toronto's going to come to play. I think they, in Game 5, it it really felt like they didn't put the victory in the back of their mind. They were still playing like they had won. So the Celtics just capitalized, but um, this was a tough game. I I, I want to see how the Celtics come out in Game 7 because this is a very tough loss. This is their first loss all year um, in a game where Jalen Brown scores up over 25. They were 14-0. Now they're 14-1. and um, You get Marcus Smart, maybe his second best game of the year. I would only say his best is when he set the three-point record back in what feels like a year ago. Um, when he had 37 against Phoenix. But, man, you get 55% shooting from three for Marcus Smart. That is damn impressive. And talking about this Game 7, OG Ananobi has proved he is a clutch shooter. Hit the game winner Hit the game winner tonight. He, he's stepping it up for that team. And along with Kyle Lowry, man, speaking about a show, Kyle Lowry really put the team on his back. And that was fun to watch. And the overtimes... He was really taken over. It was strange for me to see in the first overtime them really give the reins of the offense to Norman Powell. It was it was strange. Well, I think that's it kind of worked in a sense and outside of that last possession. Well, yeah, that's another thing uh, that we were talking about. The Lakers do it by committee. That's what the Raptors are doing, but they've been on and off. I think. If you're Boston, you have to limit those other guys, and I think it's a tough thing for a coach to do. Um, and Brad Stevens typically doesn't do it a lot. He only does it occasionally. But to look at one guy, in this case I think it'd be Lowry, and just say, we're going to focus on everybody else, beat us. 
I think that's what he should do. Because again, look at the look at the stats tonight. You get 23 out of Powell, 13 out of Ibaka. Most of those were momentum pushing threes. Yeah, 21 yeah. out of Van Fleet, Van Fleet, 13 out of uh, Ananobi. Siakam doesn't play well, but he plays well enough. So I think you have to limit those role players and really just get the ball out of Lowry's hands as quick as you, as quick as you can, but make sure that the role players aren't able to take over. Because I, I think in Game 7, there's no way you get that kind of Norman Powell game. Agreed. There's no way. I think... So Siakam has to step up, is what I'm getting Siakam at. Siakam, actually, he, he did not shoot as many threes as he did. Well, actually, shoot f- he shot five. So he was still taking them when he was open, but he has shown that he cannot shoot the ball from deep. And he has to cut that out. He's stepped it up on defense, which I really, really think is saving him right now. 54 minutes... Um, he had two steals. He only had four fouls in that much time. He played quite the good game on defense, and that's why Nurse really trusted him and kept him in, which shows a really good relationship with the coach and the player there. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's very interesting. This has been a fun series. Um, but, again, I – I want you to give your prediction. I've given mine. I think the Celtics take it tomorrow. Uh, who you got? It's a hard one to predict. But it if is. I'm gonna be honest. I think I have the Celtics winning Game Seven. Um, I'm I not sure I understand. I think it'll be a three to five point game, and I think that Jason Tatum will step it up and he will give his team the win and take them to the conference finals. I agree with that. I think it'll be a tough game, though. I, I don't, don't think it's gonna think be a blowout. Jalen Brown will have the best game tomorrow night. I think he shot He shot the lights out tonight. I don't think he's going to have the same shooting percentages mm-hmm. in game that he did tonight. I think it's going to be Jalen the guy. Jalen's the guy who's going to like drift off. I think Kate, I think Tatum and Kemba will step up game seven. Well, I also Mainly think Kemba. Yeah, I was about to say, I think Kemba's going to be more of the focus of the offense tomorrow night to try and get him going. Uh, as we were recording this, uh, I had watched most of this game, I would say. But um, the Clippers were able to close out the Nuggets uh, in Game 4, take a 3-1 series lead. Um, Paul George didn't, didn't play well uh, tonight. He, he, played less, he played very kind of limited minutes. Only got 10 points, didn't matter. Kawhi Leonard, uh, dominant once again, near triple-double, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, dominant on defense. Uh, neither team really shot it particularly well. Um, both teams didn't shoot it well from three. Very defensive, very ugly game. Uh, we saw the Nuggets come back from 3-1 in the first round. Do you think it's possible here? Um, seeing Jamal Murray go back in the tunnel and get checked out shows that something's bothering him. I don't think he's 100% at all. Um, I, I don't see them utilizing the right players in this series right now. So I really think the Clippers will close it out soon. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd like to see more from their bigs. Jokic played well, but again, Jeremy Grant not getting a ton of touches. Paul Millsap has been MIA. Michael Porter had a decent game today, but you need more than 15 points out of him. Uh, And obviously, Jamal Murray not having the best game, 18 points on 40% shooting. You know, that's a guy that you need to give, you know, 40 points at this point, I think, to win a game. But, you know, the Clippers, I'm going to put this bluntly, I, I respect the Nuggets. I think they're a very well-coached team. But this ain't Utah anymore. This is a real team. This is a team that is very likely to go in the championship this year. 
So I, I think the Clippers close it out in five. Um, as I predicted, this series would go. I think the Clippers are going to close it out next game. I think Paul George has a bounce back. As long as Kawhi doesn't play terribly, you win this game. I find it embarrassing losing, having the Clippers out-rebound you in this game. You, you have to win the rebound battle if you are the Nuggets to win these games. You're going to have to dominate the boards. You're going to have to be big. That's how they can beat this team. That's their only shot, being big and shooting the ball well. And again, they did they did a decent job tonight on uh, Harrell and Zubac. It was just the four, it was the wings. It was it was Beverly. It was Leonard that that really were doing a good job on the boards. Um, but yeah, I think I think that series uh, ends tomorrow night mm-hmm. or um, Saturday. Yeah, yeah and um, let's move back to the Heat. And who do you think they want to win? Oh, this is a no-doubter for me. They, they want Toronto. Boston dominated them uh, all year. In those games, Boston had a couple games where they missed Kemba. They had one win where they missed Kemba and Jason Tatum. Uh, I think Boston with Hayward back, uh, especially because that's a team that can match your shooting, match your wings. Uh, even with the way Tice is playing at this point, kind of match your interior presence a little bit. So I think they're rooting for Toronto. Uh, Toronto does not match up well against Miami. Again, if they beat the Bucks in five, I don't want to be too bold because you should never underestimate the heart of a champion. I think if the Heat get the Bucks, that's a sweep. I would take Miami in four because I just think they do everything Toronto does better. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. I think with the Celtics getting Gordon Hayward back is the complete. It's X-factor. gonna be huge. But the one I think if Miami does match up with Boston, we're gonna have a fun series. To that watch. I think that if, will be a fun I th- series. To I honestly watch. think if Miami gets Boston and Hayward's even eighty-five percent good, I think that's a seven-game series. I think there's a good chance that goes seven, and it's a toss-up again. I think like Celtics Raptors without Hayward, mm-hmm. it's a toss-up. It'll be fun to watch Jimmy and Jalen go at it as well. Oh, definitely. That's gonna be fun. And Bam out of. Bio guarding Jason Tatum. It's going to be nice. Well, I'm, I, I'm enticed by the um, the Jimmy Jalen thing because they, especially because Jalen's 23, Jimmy's 30. Mm-hmm. I think as far as how they were as, not at 23 for Butler, but I think when he was a younger player, they're very similar games. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with each other, see how Jalen goes at the Heat. He's played well against Miami this year. He's, you know, and Butler especially hasn't played that well against the Celtics, and Marcus Smart has been a big reason why. And one player we haven't talked about yet tonight is Tyler Hero. He really took over and won the last game for them. I'm excited to see if he steps it up. The way he handled the ball and really created things in that game five was it blew me out of the water. I did not know he had the game like that. So we'll see if he keeps it rolling. But again, I think either team they get, if they get Toronto or if they get Boston, I think something that Miami will have to adjust to is in this Milwaukee series with Bledsoe, with DiVincenzo, with Connaughton, with Middleton guarding the perimeter, you were able to have a little bit of space. You could create a lot. One thing in this Boston-Toronto series that I think we both noticed is the ball pressure from both teams on defense has been so intense that I think you're going to lose some of that hero creation, and it's really going to test his game for me. I think this is a series that, out of the, again, two kind of young shooters they have in Robinson and Hero, this is a series, no matter who they get, where I think Robinson plays really well and Hero might struggle a bit. 
Robinson out of Michigan is one of my favorite players. He he can shoot, man. Yeah, he, he went to he went to Williams right around uh, Boston, Massachusetts. It's right outside. It's in Mass. It's Western Mass a little bit, but it's quite a drive. But it's it's near there. New Hampshire kid, so he's he's repping New England. I respect that. Let's get to a strange topic. Yeah, this this has Odell nothing. This has nothing to do with basketball. This is just kind of something interesting that's happened between now and the first episode. Uh, we're not going to get into detail. This goes on Spotify, so we're not going to be talking in explicit language. Um, he has a very interesting uh, sexual fetish, I'll put it that way, that was put on uh, Adam22's No Jumper podcast. Um I think it's a joke, I would assume so, because Odell actually, I'll pull it up now, he posted on his Instagram kind of jabbing at that uh, a little bit with his most recent post. He said, can't knock me off my pivot no matter what S-word throw my way with a little crying laughing emoji. Uh, so I think it's a joke. I think they're fibbing, but it, it was a very funny story this week uh, to see that. Um, other than that, in the sports world, speaking of football, we got a big weekend ahead of us. We'll talk more about that on Friday, but this is going to be a fun weekend. This is going to be a good test to see if the NFL can pull this off oh, with so. limited fans. I hope so. I think what will happen is they can but they're going to have to go to no fans. I think fans will be over after week one or two. I find it bad that in an indoor stadium in Dallas they're having fans. Like, I don't think that's the smartest thing to do. But also, one thing I'd like to bring up as like a final thought and just in the sports world, I'm very excited for my Sixers and their coaching search. We see people like Billy Donovan, McMillan, Kenny Atkinson's my number one guy, Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd is one. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the Clippers assistant coaches and the Lakers assistant coaches. I don't like those big stars coaching my teams. But I think it's going to be very interesting seeing these coach searches, and hopefully, I will be very pleased. Yeah, again with the coaching searches, uh, Philadelphia, Indiana, New Orleans, uh, and Oklahoma City—all big teams, good opportunities that guys might want to pounce on. Actually, this week. Today we heard that Chauncey Billups is uh, becoming one of the front runners for Indiana. I think that'd be pretty interesting to see what he could do with a healthy team. Um, but my favorite—I know you're interested in Philly. I'm kind of interested in them too. But the one I'm keeping my eye on is definitely New Orleans. Yeah, I want to see team. who they pick because there's been a couple rumors that they're going to go younger. I think it'd be more fitting if they go with a little older veteran coach. I know Alvin Gentry didn't work out, but I think that's a team that doesn't need the Warrior system. I think you go after um, a more recent Spurs assistant. I think if Mike Budenholzer is let go, I think that's a name to look at for New Orleans. I think that I'm worried about the Sixers because I don't want a big name like Tyron Lue stepping in. Because we've seen he's really good at meshing with these star players and having good relationships with them, but the X's and O's are just not there at all. And that's what a team like Philadelphia and a team like New Orleans actually needs because they have quite the diverse team. They're scary coming up. Yeah, that team definitely requires a coach that's going to need to have a lot of knowledge about scheme fit. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to know where to put guys because they have a lot of wings that have very different skills. You said a very diverse team. And then the guards, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, 
very, very different skill sets there. So Josh Hart, too, kind of all three it's different players. Team. It's a fun team, but you JJ have to Redick. JJ Redick too. You have to craft them into a winner. I compare them to uh, the '90s Mavs a little bit when they had the Jays, when they had Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and Jim Jackson. Three great talents, but they never found the right coach. They could have meshed so well and became a contender, but they didn't. So they all ended up splitting up and having very successful careers along the way. But I think that's a good example of how coaching is key. Uh, with that, I think we can wrap it up, unless you have any other thoughts. One last thought. What do you think about Steve Nash hiring? Not, not politically, but with As a basketball fit? sense. As a fit, it has to be proven to me. I don't buy him as a coach yet. He was more of a training assistant with Golden State. Um, I think they could have looked at other guys. I would have liked to see them keep Jacques Vaughn. Uh, I would have liked to see them even look at bringing Kenny. I mean, I know Kenny Atkinson got fired, but at least giving him a second look because he wasn't bad. Um, and I would have liked to see them wait because you never know how things are going to shake out. I think that's a team that Billy Donovan – him and Kevin Durant's relationship could play into things if Budenholzer does end up getting let go. I think that's someone to also look at. Alvin Gentry, um, being a former Warrior coach who left before Durant got there, maybe could implement some of the system with before Durant in Golden State, which I think that Nets team could use a little bit. As far as utilization of their bigs with DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, now they have Nick uh, Claxton coming up. So... That's going to be interesting. The Nash hire to me, I think it could be good, but I think a lot of his knowledge comes from learning under D'Antoni, which I don't think is good for that team because they need to be a good defensive team because they play in a division with three other great offensive teams, with Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia. So they're going to have to play them four times a year each. And one team that I think we are all sleeping on is the Washington Wizards next year. I'm a big John Wall guy. I think he will come back, and if he's anything like himself, they have a shot of doing something. I'm not saying winning a championship, but at least being a threat. We see David Bertans literally like shooter of the year in the beginning of the season. Everyone wanted him at the trade deadline. But I think the offensive superpower inside of the East will be scary. And Steve Nash, I think he's the right guy for Kyrie Irving. I don't think he's the right guy for the Brooklyn Nets. That's a good point. We are a hot take machine here. Uh, we're going to sign off Beating the Buzzer podcast. Episode 2, a uh, little more organized. Still uh, same great discussion. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to end it here. I hope everybody has a great day. And please uh, follow and share the podcast. Thank you all.